Hello, this is Magenta Giraffes with me, Simona Roy, recording this on June 19th, 2022. Happy Father's Day to everyone in the US. I don't know. I think Father's Day is different in other countries, but today it's Father's Day. So what am I doing with my father right now? We haven't spent really any time together today. Like I've done my own thing. He's done his. Um, I think our big plans are getting takeout and then watching a movie together at home. And I bought him a bunch of clothes. I think they're coming. I bought like two pairs of nice pants from Madewell. Okay, so and then, you know, he was talking about how he didn't want he didn't have any shirts that fit anymore. So I bought him a bunch um, and they should be coming tonight. So he doesn't know about that yet. So, um, yeah, I, I what can I say? Uh, Father's Day is weird because it you can't help but think about Mother's Day on Father's Day, you know. And also I think about all the people who've lost fathers. You know, I'm so it's so hard for me on Mother's Day. So I can imagine that it's just as hard. Um, you know, of course, it's just as hard on Father's Day for people who've lost their fathers. So I'm sending a lot of love to everybody who, you know, is mourning today or, you know, remembering a loss or, you know, just anything, loss of any parent. I think any kind of remembrance of a day of a parent is going to just remind you of the other parent, you know, and I don't know. I've just really been obviously missing my mom and uh, missing the dynamic of the three of us because she, you know, balanced us out. She balanced us out. <laughs> I feel like I said that weird. Um, you know, my father and I can be very similar, but I'm also, you know, I'm noticing all these aspects of myself now that are very much like my mom. You know, um, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I can be really highly critical of my dad, like my mom was of me. She was not critical of my dad. She never asked him of it, like asked of him of anything, you know, no cleaning, only cooking if you wanted to, etc. You know, she kind of took care of everything. Um, me, not so much. I, I've got criticisms for everything. I mean, like he's, he, I guess he was eating raspberries or something and didn't notice that like, raspberry juice fell on the floor. So I'm like, hello, you know, it's sticky. How do you not notice that the floor is sticky and that there's just like a pink stain on the white floor? Things like that really drive me insane. And then I feel really guilty about it, you know. Um, And he never like gets mad at my criticism. But like I say it because I worry, you know, I'm not going to be living with him forever. And I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Like everything goes in disarray. It wouldn't go in disarray, but like there's just, he just doesn't notice things the way that like my mom and I would notice. And of course, like she would always correct me if like, you know, let's say like a a paper towel fell on the floor that like I didn't have anything to do with. She'd be like, well, why don't you pick it up? And I'm like, well, I didn't drop it. She'd be like, well, it's your house. So if you don't pick it up, then like that's who will, you know, so those things are always like on repeat in my brain from my whole life with her, you know, and, you know, my dad just like doesn't notice things, you know, like, it's just fascinating. And so I just find myself, you know, being critical of him and, and I voice it. And then, you know, I do hold back to, uh, 
And I don't know, it's, it's not that I think of him as my child, but I always want him to have his best face forward, his best, the best version of himself, you know, so I, I, I have aspirations for my father. And I, I have to tell him things like if there's things that I notice, then I have to tell him because who else is going to tell him? That's how I feel. And that's how I was raised by my mother. But sometimes I just I feel really guilty about it. Because, you know, I mean, he's in his 70s, right? Like, who am I to criticize? He's done fine with his life. And but then I think like, oh, am I going to be like this in my relationship? Whoever I'm with, this poor man. Uh, you know, I wasn't like that at all in my last relationship because I never felt like I could voice how I feel because I was afraid of losing the person that I was with. And, you know, it's it's interesting because the thing that I'm working with with my therapist right now um is like trusting my feelings. And, you know, I was in this long relationship, and I did not speak up. I didn't, I was always afraid to feel whatever I was feeling. And then the thing that I've always, you know, been taught by my parents, like the constant refrain um, is they would always say, don't let it bother you about anything like conflict with a friend, disagreement, something like externally happening to me, like something, something interpersonal. Whenever I would talk to them, it wouldn't be like, oh, well, you should go talk it out with that person and, you know, resolve it. It would be like, don't let it bother you. Like you, I mean, and it's good advice and that you can control how you feel about things and you can decide whether something ruins your day or not. But to somebody like me, who is highly sensitive and HSP, I still haven't read the book. So I don't even know if I can really say that, but I'm pretty sure I know I'm an HSP. But I think that I took it to heart in a different way of like, don't let it bother you. Like when you have when I'm having any sort of emotional response, I started to feel like it wasn't justified because I was being like dramatic or something and I would just have to like tamp it down and be like, well, don't let it bother you. And that happened a lot in my relationship. And there were just so many things where like so many things were bothering me. But, um, you know, when I go to get advice from, I think I talked mostly to my dad about it. Uh, you know, he would just be like, don't let it bother you. Things happen in relationships. You got to work through it. You know, it because there were times when I went to him and I was like, this is really difficult. And I just don't know if I can do this for the rest of my life with this person, you know. And he would just be like, you know, like you got to work through it. Like these are the hardships of relationships. And, you know, looking back on it, that that wasn't true in that case. Like it's it wasn't a normal hardship of a relationship. And I'm, you know, I can commit. <laughs> Committing is not an issue for me. But it, what's an issue for me is like, trusting my emotions as indicators of something. You know, if I'm constantly upset and angry and sad, then that's an indicator for me to I mean, I have to at least notice those feelings. So when I would notice them, and it was almost like a relief when I would talk to you know, my parents and they'd say, don't let it bother you. That would mean that I could forget my emotions or disregard them and decide to like 
not feel bad. And that was helpful, right? Because now when I'm noticing my emotions, it like, I'm like, oh, fuck, like now I just feel bad, (laughs) you know? And what am I supposed to do with this? Like, I wish I could just say, like, don't let it bother me, (laughs) you know? Uh, But that's not helpful. And so... I don't know. I mean, I've been thinking a lot about that a lot. And, and now the issue is like, well, if I feel something, does that mean I have to do something like that's very stressful for me, you know, conflicts with friends and stuff like, do I then have to speak up because, you know, not every situation needs a conversation or, you know, to speak up, right. And, And I thought that like now that I'm feeling all these emotions and acknowledging them that I have to also like do something about that. And my my therapist is like, no, you don't have to. You just have to like know that you're feeling a certain way and like letting yourself feel that way, which is nice because now I just always feel like, you know, after the relationship, I just don't ever want to be a pushover doormat again and just take things and like keep them to myself and not speak up for myself, you know, um, it's a real, real, real fear of mine. And yeah, I just, I, I'm, I am fearful of being in a situation again, where I, I again feel like, I mean, it all stems from me feeling like, you know, I'm never going to be with anybody who would want to be with me. So then if they seemingly want to be with me, I just don't want to let go of that, no matter how bad things are. You know, that's, that's, that's the truth of it all. Uh, And I don't know. I don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. I mean, nothing soon. But it's, it you know, doesn't make me want to like be lining up to go date and stuff. But I don't know. I've just been feeling weird. You know, I haven't been feeling as down as the last couple of weeks. So that's good. But I mean, I feel a little blasé. I haven't given much more thought to like doing the anti antidepressant thing. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'm a little bit on the upswing of it, but you know, who knows what I'll feel like tomorrow. Uh, so I, I guess I'll put a pin in it for now. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, back to like me being critical of my dad, it makes me feel so awful. You know, I, I, I could, I was critical of my mom too, you know, especially as like her cognitive function started declining. I think I would get so nervous that that was like indicating something, you know, bad that I would then get so upset with her for not remembering things or, you know, it was out of my fear that I would react that way. And I just wish I could just be softer. And I think I have that same fear when it comes to my dad, when I see that like, I don't know. He's not just, he's like, not all, like, I I guess, what am I trying to say? Sometimes I feel like he's not 
the full grown adult (laughs) that I thought he was my whole life, you know, who had it all together and things like that. And, you know, you really just start to see your parents as just people and not um, all encompassing omnipotent beings. I mean, I think that other people figure this out a lot sooner than me, but I always was just brought up to know that they were right about everything. And so it's a very rude awakening in my 30s to be like, oh, like the advice of don't let it bother you is actually not good for me. And, you know, this was difficult growing up and this and, you know, like, and, you know, he he can't take care of this thing and I have to help or whatever. It's just it's normal. It's just the cycle of life. But you don't want to. I, I don't know. It's hard for me to see my dad as like just a regular person and not just somebody who just has all the answers. So. And then, you know. If I'm critical about anything, I feel so much guilt because I'm like, oh, he's going to die. And then all I was was critical. And my, 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 I know my critical, my critiques are coming from a good place of like wanting him to be able to be okay on his own. And he doesn't take it personally at all. Because again, like, here's the thing. My parents always gave me the advice of don't let it bother you. And like things actually did not bother them. Like they were, they were just Teflon, right? <laughs> like nothing stuck to them. Uh, so like nothing does, like hardly anything bothers him, you know? Um, I mean, my mom more so like that was her, that was just who she was. Like she didn't get bothered, right? With my dad, I think he was probably a very sensitive person like at my age or not at my age. I mean, he was like, he had me at his age, but uh, younger than me. like growing up, I think he was a sensitive person, but like life beat it out of him, you know? So then nothing did bother him either. I mean, for me, things are always going to bother me. They are. It's just a fact. It's uh, I've accepted it. I mean, I've always known that things are going to bother me. But I think now I can acknowledge that something's bothering me instead of telling myself to not let it bother me. Right. So I don't know. I just feel. I don't like I should be doing more like being more grateful. I'm super grateful that he's still with me. You know, it would be just unhandleable, unmanageable if I had lost both of my parents, right? Like I, I wouldn't, I don't know where I would be. I don't know where I would be right now. And, you know, it would also be extremely difficult if it was the other way around where it was just me and my mom and my dad was gone. Like that would be unmanageable as well. So in the worst case scenario of things, I've gotten the least worst case scenario, right? And I am grateful. But what it is, it's it's very hard to show gratitude. That's the truth. It's hard to show gratitude for me right now, because I'm also in this dark place that ebbs and flows. And I don't know. I I don't know what to do with it. I did see my friend Sonia yesterday. And, you know, I just asked her, do you ever feel like 
what is the point of it all? And she's like, yeah, all the time. And through that conversation, and she brought it up, she's like, I've been thinking about doing a gratitude journal. Anna's and I said, yeah, I've done that several times, but I've always stopped like it's never continued. And so through us having that conversation, we kind of decided that we would do it together so we could have accountability. So we're starting that on July 1st. We're doing a gratitude journal. Uh, the parameters of it are we're still working that out. But I think it'll be nice to, you know, do it for a month continuously and, you know, regularly with a friend and so that we like keep it going. And then we see if that we feel any sort of difference in a month. And maybe it won't be significant. Maybe there won't be any difference. But I mean, I think the problem is when I've done it, and I mean, and she felt the same way is that when you're kind of writing down at the end of the day, like what you're grateful for, it just kind of sometimes feels performative, it doesn't feel like real or authentic. And, and that just makes you that makes me feel icky. You know, what is the point of that? But I think that, you know, maybe at first it'll be performative and then, you know, maybe it can become like actually significant and be able to change some neural pathways in our minds. So, I mean, I'm being optimistic about it, but like it was funny because I was what I was really excited about, let's be honest, was like buying the journal. (laughs) and like buying special pens. And uh, I was like, oh, like maybe I'll like, you know, buy a cool notebook from like Papier. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it, but it's P-A-P-I-E-R, French, I don't know. Um, And uh, and I I was like, oh, let me show you the picture of uh, the tarot card journal that I got from there. And so I like looked it up on my email and I showed her the picture and she's like, wow, that looks cool. And then I scrolled up and guess what I also bought like whenever I bought that tarot card journal, a gratitude journal. So I couldn't get my retail therapy of buying this journal because I already fucking had one from months ago when I was doing my tarot card readings every day. Maybe I should bring that back in my, you know, dismalness, you know, whatever. The cards are pretty. That's aesthetically pleasing enough. So we're going to do that. Maybe that'll shift some thinking. And like, yeah, I mean, I did. I cried in the cubicle again this this week. You know, it was um, it was a baptism of sorts for this cubicle because it's the first time I've cried in the new cubicle at the new job. So uh, congratulations to me. And, uh, you know, besides the whole, I had to give a crying of the cubicle update because, you know, that is something that always happens to me. And these cubicles in the new office or like at the new job are much bigger. There's, I feel like there's a little bit more privacy. So not like anybody noticed at the last job, I was crying in my cubicle, but you know, some things never change. Uh, you know, the last thing I want to talk about is I, on a totally different note, I saw this documentary on Freeform that's also that's on Hulu, and it's called The Deep End, and it's about this spiritual guru named Teal Swan, and I'd never heard of her. She had never shown up in any of my YouTube algorithms or Instagram or anything. And she, I think, became famous from doing these like YouTube videos that like seem very like 
90s infomercial level quality. I, I don't know. And I think she still is doing them. So I don't understand how like the production value hasn't gone up, but whatever. Uh, it is a wild documentary. And if you're into like, you know, cult spiritual doc things, then you got to watch. It's four episodes. Real quick watch. You know, the reason why I bring it up is because I am I do this podcast, which is, you know, about grief and my spirituality and whatever. But, you know, I I'm. I'm very well versed in the players of the wellness industry, the spiritual industry. And, you know, like I was watching on that show on Netflix, um, Life After Death, there is there's just so much dangerous stuff out there. And I think Teal Swan definitely falls in the dangerous category. You know, um, she talks a lot about suicide and, you know, all some of her videos have told people who've had, you know, suicidal, like, ideation, 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 like I know what the fuck I'm talking about, suicidal thoughts, right? People who are, you know, have suicidal thoughts, they are watching her videos and she's telling them to visualize their suicides like that. Even me as a lay person of not being, you know, a psychologist or, you know, social worker or anything of any sort of higher education in that field, I can know that that is intuitively horrible. And so the reason I bring this up is because like, especially like I feel like I'm, you know, wellness adjacent, like you would find this in that kind of category. And, you know, I go to psychics and I I love Laura Lynn Jackson and all that stuff. And they're kind of spiritual leaders in and of themselves, but in a very different way, because I don't think they're cult-like. I think that it's just really important to be wary, you know, like I think going through grief, especially you just are so vulnerable and you're looking for answers and you're looking for hope and you're looking for signs from the other side. And and it's just really important to also keep your eyes open because I watched this doc and I've been in vulnerable situations in my life. I'm vulnerable right now, but I think that I'm also highly critical as you know, because I'm so critical of my dad, but I'm very skeptical. I'm always skeptical. Yes, like I want to believe that life continues on the other side and and I do these things, these workshops and psychics, but I'm still very rooted in reality, you know? And so I I worry about people who would, you know, follow people like Teal and things like that. And it's just so, so dangerous. And there's no accreditation for things. There's, you know, not schooling. There's nothing. I mean, education can only get you so far, too. Like, you can be a PhD crazy person, too. Uh, But, you know, I just wanted to, like, have my little PSA of wellness can be very dangerous. And... (sighs) Don't trust everything you listen to, watch, read, whatever. Uh, you know, Teal was quite frightening. I mean, she was a true narcissist. I think there's different levels of narcissism personally. You know, I've known narcissists, uh, and she's a far gone narcissist. And frankly, she's a dumb one too. 
So like, I don't know why she would bring in a camera crew because she really thinks that like what she's doing is good work. And she is, I mean, I think she thinks of herself as some sort of like prophet, uh, you know, like has all the answers and, and then any sort of criticism that she gets, she thinks it's because she's a woman and people want to, you know, demonize women and whatever. And that, I mean, I'm a woman and I'm not a misogynist as far as I know. And I just think that she's like batshit crazy and very dangerous. So I recommend watching it. It's eye-opening. It's called The Deep End on Freeform. But also, you know, check your gut with the wellness stuff. It's it's just very, I don't know. It's very, it's just dangerous. It's just dangerous. You want like, I know what it feels like to feel lost and want answers and want guidance. And you don't always get what's best for you in that space. You know, I mean, I had a very scary situation with Landmark. I know a lot of people like Landmark, but I'm staunchly against Landmark. You know, after the second workshop that I did with them, I was like, this is a fucking cult and I got to get out. But, you know, not everybody is like me where I can like see the red flags and I'm like, okay, I'm not getting like sucked in more you know? So I just want us all to have some critical thinking skills when it comes to wellness, even with this podcast, like these are just my opinions and whatever I spew out in the moment. You know, like I'm nobody, I'm just a person and I don't have all the answers and I won't ever claim to. So I don't know, this is a wackadoo episode all over the place. (sighs) I'll end with happy Father's Day to everyone who is celebrating and extra love to everyone who is missing their dads. These days are hard. It's hard. And I'm with you. I'm sending you love. And I'll just say bye.